You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. everybody it is wednesday night preseason week one is just around the corner if you can believe it this this 2023 year has just seemingly flown by but that's neither here nor there i'm anthony he's john and this is the orange black insider happy to have you with us if you're joining live if you're joining after the fact appreciate you tuning in and checking out the show john how's your week going man i know you've been busy with a lot of different stuff and uh hobnobbing with a lot of a lot of familiar faces and good friends. Busy day today. Uh, Bengals at training camp, joint practice with the Packers, and I learned in line for getting in there that it was season ticket members only. <laughs> so I had to get out of that line after seeing the man who made this hat, Joe Goodberry. And but it was good. Uh, observed practice from afar, aka on my computer down at the banks, <laughs> and then okay. caught up with caught up with some people. Stole this hat from Joe. And now I'm here. So lots to talk about. Nice. Nice. Well, good to be with you chatting it up and good to be with everybody here, uh, whether you're joining us on our YouTube channel, on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, on Twitter, various Twitter accounts. We've got a lot of people tuning in live. So good to see everybody. A reminder, if you could, if you like what we're doing, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a fun video coming out, I think, uh, later this week. You'll want to check that out. Of course, we'll be giving you this standard episode we do the news episodes we do the listener questions live and then we're trying to pump you with a couple of other unique videos that will be filtering through the weeks uh ahead and of course getting you all kinds of preseason coverage regular season coverage here on this channel so you gotta subscribe to the show link underneath john there by the cincy jungle pod uh cincy jungle logo that is click that subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available Give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing. We appreciate that. And, of course, you can also get all kinds of other great shows, Bengals Podcasts, on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer, whether that is iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones, we are there. Go subscribe, and you can listen to this show, Bengal Jim and Friends Talking Football, 3 and Out, and, of course, The Coach. Matt Minnick, uh, we, we're trying to bring you all kinds of different episodes throughout the week. Hopefully you enjoy what we're doing there. All right, John. Well, I guess, you know, we're, we're not going to go in chronological order this week because uh, first things first, I think we should probably talk about the preseason opener first, right? And kind of what to look for, what to what to achieve, I suppose, since that's on the forefront of everybody's mind. We could talk about the Packers and all kinds of stuff in a little bit here, but uh, I, look, We've talked about this for a couple of years now with the condensed, I guess if you want to call it that, preseason, one less game. And, of course, now, no Joe Burrow. We've talked about him wanting to, you know, we wanted him to get a little, maybe a few more snaps than usual. But that's probably not going to happen, at least not for this week. So um, what what should be, uh, of course, avoid the injuries aside. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, players to watch, uh, a couple players that you're watching – things they should be achieving in this game and things we should be looking for. So it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of starters playing in this game as expected. 
you got to remember last year when Burrow was not healthy, they didn't really want the starting offense to play with um, Brandon Allen, the backup at the time. They kind of kept the twos with the twos and the ones with the ones, if you will, during the preseason. So I, I would imagine who plays and who doesn't is going to be very similar to last year, which is why today's practice was pretty important because you had all the starters taking reps against the starters for Green Bay. So that was kind of like mm-hmm. whatever 11s or 7s they did. That's kind of like their preseason-esque. So the players to watch are really like, I think the players that really have caught our eyes during training camp that are actually going to play, right? It's a lot of it is the rookie class. You have DJ Turner, who's making great play after great play, great practice after great practice. He's going to be going up against, you know, the Packers second string receivers, Andre Yosevis on the other side of the ball. Can he keep his preseason momentum, training camp momentum going into the preseason? You have defensive linemen and Joseph Asai and Cam Sample, who are going to get, I would assume, a decent amount of run while Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard are watching from the sidelines. Miles Murphy, you know, how quickly does he enter the game? How much does he play? And I remember this whole controversy, you know, two years ago with Joseph Asai. He was having a great first preseason game, which was a third round pick, and people didn't want him playing deep into the game. And then he got injured. Like, are they going to hold back Murphy or are they going to give him time? to really develop because it does seem like he does need those reps to really iron out a lot of the nuances of, you know, stringing together pass rushing moves. Like he needs that work. Right. So how they divvy up the defensive line rotation, how they divvy up rotation at cornerback, right. DJ Ivy's obviously going to play a ton as a seventh round pick as a rookie. He's going to be with, you know, that second group of cornerbacks. I would imagine Sidney Jones and DJ Turner kind of get the start here, but all the names that you kind of heard circulating throughout news with training camp, like they're all going to be on, on the forefront, right? Like you're not going to see the stars of the team. You're going to see the training camp stars aside from, you know, the guys like pictured here, T Higgins, who are mm-hmm. shining regardless. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in Cam Taylor Britt, who is pictured, I guess a little low, low hanging fruit there just because, you know, he's, he kind of got into that high profile role or a high profile role at the end of last year and is really seemingly taking some nice additional strides as kind of the other the other starting corner here going up, you know, iron sharpening iron. He's going up against Chase in practice. You see him going up against Higgins here. So he has been tested and he's been stepping up, making some nice plays. I like the DJs that you mentioned. Those are two guys at corner. So I'm, I'm really interested in the secondary in general, right? A lot of new faces at safety, a lot of new faces at cornerback. And you would figure that they're going to, you know, get a lot of those guys in. We finally started to see at practice some of these three safety looks where uh, it wasn't frequent, but Anarumo finally started to bring some of those looks out there where Dax Hill, Nick Scott, and um, Jordan Battle were, uh, were, were all in the field at the same time. And I think it was Hill and Battle that were in the box, Scott back. Uh, was was kind of how he aligned it. So I'm interested to see if that continues and what what you know. You mentioned last week too that Lou Anarumo has been showing a lot of blitz packages. You know, maybe a little bit more than um, we've seen in the past, particularly at this point in the preseason or training camp. So I'm interested to see kind of some of the defensive alignments and looks that he puts out there. But I, you know, I don't want to take away thunder from a, a future segment that we're going to have here later, but. A report from Paul Daner Jr. on The Athletic talking about Jonah Williams and talking with Jonah Williams about embracing that right tackle role, John. Um, You know, he's probably going to get, I would think, maybe a little bit more time than either we anticipate or maybe than some of the other starters just to maybe get him a couple of other reps. reps. That's just my, I don't know, gut feeling maybe. Um, And and because it is a quote-unquote new position for him. So, that's another guy I'm going to be watching uh, just and, and Jackson Carmen as well, how he steps in and plays. So a, a lot of different places to watch. I think again, the ultimate, the ultimate goal is that everybody stays healthy. You avoid the big injuries, especially to important players, but you know, those are some of the areas to look for. The other thing I want to know uh, if, if it will translate in a preseason game, you know, obviously Burroughs the man and, the offense moves at a much different pace with him in the lineup. There's no doubt about it. But what I'm curious about is if he, uh, you know, we've seen the backup quarterback so far make plays down the field. They've been Jake Browning's been making some plays. Um, you know, Simeon's been making some plays here and there, and they've been able to push the ball downfield. It hasn't been a lot of, you know, captain check down type of stuff. The offense going in a shell totally without Burrow in it. So I'm curious as, 
you know, the real pads come on, the, the real snaps happen. Uh, you're going up against live action. If those deep balls, if some of these big plays will continue to happen with backup quarterbacks. That's good. That's a good question. Um, because I feel like you're not going to see any of Higgins or chase out there with Browning or, Sin- or Simeon in the preseason. So I think that probably impacts what they call offensively a little bit. And I will say that as expected, once the pads actually came on in practice and training camp, some of the, some of the momentum with both Browning and Simeon has died off just a little bit, you know, they're backups for a reason. And the Bengals defense is also pretty good. So they're good at disrupting routes and whatnot and getting after the quarterback. That's ultimately been like one of the biggest takeaways here, despite a lot of progression that we've seen from the likes of Asai and Sample and Hendrickson continues to show up and Zach Carter's having a good camp. There hasn't been a ton. It's not like the offensive line for the Bengals is going, you know, completely AWOL. Like they've been solid as well. It's just defensive linemen making good plays and you have quarterbacks there who aren't really the greatest under pressure so it's kind of led to some some stalling out and i think that was ultimately the theme of practice today with the packers you had the Bengals defense you know balling out and not really letting the packers do much you had some deep balls from jordan love he connected to romeo dubes or dobbs or whoever his name is a couple (laughs) times but that was ultimately like the only progression that the packers offense could make and on the other side of the ball like it was more or less the same story so that's kind of how it that's kind of how it goes for for training camp and i'll you know Jordan Love is the starter, but he doesn't have a lot of experience or really any experience as a starter. So he's widely unproven. And obviously, you know, Browning and Simeon are exactly Browning and Simeon. So I don't expect a ton of fireworks in this preseason game, especially because I don't imagine a lot of starters are going to play. But it's a good question about Jonah because I I don't know. I, I feel like he's just done enough to like not even have to prove it at this point in, in a real preseason game. Like he's taken the vast majority of reps as the starter. Now it's not really much of a rotation anymore with Jackson Carmen, who did not have a good day today. He was beaten inside, I think multiple times by another rookie in Lucas Van Ness. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jonah was holding it down against the likes of Preston Smith. Who's a pretty good edge. It, it, the, that, that competition, if you even want to call it a competition, it, it seems pretty over at this point. And there's been nothing but effusive praise from both Zach Taylor and Frank Pollock about the transition that Jonah has made at that spot. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see him at all in, in, in this first mm. preseason game. Possibly. Um, uh, you know, part, part of what Daner said in, in his report there is basically, and I guess this plays a little bit to what, what you're saying there is that Jonah feels he's starting to feel comfortable. He's starting to feel like maybe this position is kind of, he said it without saying it. And I don't want to misquote, but basically, he's kind of feeling like, okay, this is my job. This is going to be my role. And you're starting to see the distance between both of them, uh, Jonah Williams and, and Jackson Carmen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, I'm just interested, while you may be correct, and it is the first preseason game, you may be correct with your you know, disagreement with me that Jonah may take maybe a couple more snaps than some of the other offensive linemen, if any, Um you know, I, I still go back to what this team experienced with the slow start last year. And again, you know, they can ill afford to start the same way with who they have on the schedule. And then now, you, you know, you've got questions about when Burrow is coming back and all of that. So I don't I, I am interested to see how this coaching staff approaches the snap counts for starters based on all of that. I, I mean, it's going to be limited, particularly in, in preseason one. You don't want to get, you know, your starters injured or have devastating injuries for sure, but you also want to knock off the rust. You also want to get as close to firing on all cylinders once early September rolls around. So there's a very, very delicate balance that that this coaching staff is going to have to walk with all of these guys in the snap counts. I will say, like, if there is a position group on offense that gets run for the starters, it's probably the offensive line just for the sake of continuity and everything. It's just they've been pretty fortunate that aside from this minor strain that Alex Cap is going, you know, dealing with, there hasn't been a ton of movement in and out of that lineup. Like, you know, the, the entire left side of the line has stayed healthy, so they've all worked together. So, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, how much do the coaches want to push it, right? So Cap is probably not going to play if he hasn't practiced in the past couple of practices. And if that's the case, then maybe they want to just play a conservative 
and give more time to guys like Trey Hill, Max Sharpening, um, Cody Ford, Jackson Carmen, who definitely still needs those reps, right? I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested to see what the official second string offensive line is at this point because you've had both Trey Hill and Max Sharping take snaps as as an emergency center. Like Trey Hill's been the backup center for two years, but mm-hmm. if Max Sharping can prove that he can just do that job better. It gives him more positional versatility. It gives him more security to make the roster. But Trey Hill is still a guy that, that's been taking plenty of second-team reps. But he was subbed out for Cody Ford today, right guard, um, against the Packers because he wasn't doing particularly well. So there's a lot of movement and shuffling that's still to be had in that second string. And I don't know if it's been finalized at this point, but I'm really interested, interested to see what that group looks like and if they're honestly out there for the very first drive. Yeah, I know. Again, I know there are questions about just the offensive line in general based on the past two seasons, but I think things are looking more steady, uh, particularly with right with right tackle starting to kind of get a little clearer. Of course, Orlando Brown, and then you've got the three guys in the middle coming back. Uh, I think, you know, your starters are looking, you know, uh, pretty solid, I, I think, going forward. But I going back to the offensive line, I think this is where we're going to see a lot in the first preseason game is, you know, that depth. If there is, God forbid, some of these injuries late in the season again, you know, Sharping came in, he struggled against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, but played pretty well against the Bills, right? I mean, they they held their own in the snow. Um, and, you know, if you've got Jackson Carmen who's struggling, you've got a, a Cody Ford, a guy who could be a valuable swing backup. Like you've mentioned, Trey Hill has been in the lineup in games before. Yeah, there have been some penalties uh, that we have seen from him when he has played. But, I mean, a guy that they like and positional versatility there, too. So I think aside from maybe the starters being a bit more settled and and being in a good spot this year, I think you also are going to hopefully see some good depth um, as the first preseason game goes on. And then hopefully also, I know we didn't we talked about throwing the football down the field and everything. I, I hope we can see some consistency in the run game from there as well. I'm just glad that we've gotten to the point where we know who Cody Ford is and we're kind of past the mumbo jumbo of when he was signed because there was the whole thing of when he signed in March, there was an agreement that he wanted to be a right tackle. He wanted to play Mm -hmm. a tackle and it just never made sense. He was never going to beat out either Jackson Carmen or Jonah Williams for that spot. Maybe not even Leo Collins had he been healthy. So he's, he's at guard now and that's where he needs to be. That's where the team needs him more than any other spot and that's where he can succeed the most if he has a chance of making this team it's going to be at guard and that was honestly the whole i think that was the whole plan all along like it, he was going to play wherever he was needed and fortunately he's just ended up where his skill set matches up well so i'm i'm excited to see how he does at guard yeah cody ford um let's see in in 2020 and 2021 he had uh 14 starts um at both seven at each guard spot seven at left guard in 2020 and seven at right guard in 2021 i think he bounced around in, at a couple different spots uh, with the cardinals last year only had three starts there 15 starts as a rookie at right tackle so um you know i mean he's, it's pretty much across pretty even across the board in terms of game started and position started both guard spots right tackle is a rookie and then kind of a couple of different spots with the Cardinals last year. So, yeah, and then hopefully, Mr. Whisper, thank you so much for, uh, once again for your Super Chat. Um, hopefully we talked a little Jonah for you there. Actually lined up well with kind of some of the stuff we were talking about. So um, good to good to see you in the chat room, and thank you again for the Super Chat there. But, John, I, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I, are, are, we, are we ever counting – wins are we ever looking for the victories in preseason at this point or is it just kind of basics and uh i mean i i kind of know the answer (laughs) which is what you emphatically just said i mean it's always nice to see a win but i mean the win is no injuries and at least see some semblance of organized and efficient football how many preseason games do you legitimately remember honestly like you've been watching the bengals for quite some time like how many preseason games i remember plays you know? i remember plays yeah. i don't really remember game like i remember the the crazy john ross play a couple of years ago against the bills like it when uh, i think as a rookie mm-hmm. maybe um i mean I, I remember certain plays but uh yeah i mean overall it's like i don't remember the games that much yeah the my the most vivid memory i have of a bengals preseason game was was uh matt scott vomiting 
That, that, oh, that's yeah. it. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but I mean yep. the, the John Ross the, the John Ross touchdown, it literally changed the man's life. He he made that cornerback quit in the locker room. I forget his <laughs> that's name. That's right. Uh, uh Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis. Davis. He yeah. made Vontae yeah. Davis quit football. It's crazy. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that part. Wow, we're rehashing some the preseason is for wacky there. stuff made by players <laughs> who don't have a ton of opportunity, right? And it's why that's right. I mean it's it's their platform to showcase their value. And the Bengals have it's a good problem to have. They have a ton of guys who either are gonna make this team or are gonna be signed really quickly to another team. And this is the chance for them to put on film and play against competition that's very equal to them and there's a reason why right like they're fighting for roster spots they have no very little job security to their names like some of them have draft statuses and whatnot but for a lot of these guys it's going to be special teams because they're going to be you know at least seven punts on both sides and it's going to be a lot of broken plays too and it's a chance for them to kind of create out of structure and kind of surprise people right so it's there it's a great it's a great platform in that sense to give these guys who don't have a ton of prospects to make the biggest sign, the biggest contracts or last as long as the NFL, this is their moment to shine. That's what matters to me. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called the future of work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts well Talking about nice segue here. You've been going to the last couple of practices, I think, late last week, and uh, you tried to get in there today, but season season <laughs> tickets only, gatekeeping on John Sheeran. Literally. But, uh, yeah. But you have been in there in person. I logistically cannot, but you have seen some things. So I wanted to get, you know, we we, we talked about maybe getting some, some practice reports from you and everything. I, I know... Uh, that can be difficult while you're there, but uh, I kind of figured after the fact we can t- we can ask you about some of the things that you saw in person that you were either particular found particularly interesting or were surprised by at the practices you attended. Uh, I don't know if like any surprises necessarily. I, I, my mind does go to Jonah because I don't think he's had a bad practice yet, and obviously you know half the practices weren't in pads and it, it's still you know there's an emphasis on to not to touch the quarterback. So you have to question how hard defensive linemen are going, but the transition has been seamless. Like it, it's just, he's clearly the guy at right tackle at this point. And that that's obviously great to see, right? If Kappa is indeed healthy for week one, you have a legitimately great off, not great. You have a legitimately good offensive line with the potential to be great. And that's just so much more than what this team has had for the past seven or so years and they're going up against i think really good defensive linemen who are progressing really well like joseph asai and cam sample have done quite a bit to keep a distance from miles murphy right it, that the whole thing was how miles murphy's a first round pick he's 21 years old he's maybe their most athletic defensive end that they have and and that that's not even saying that size of slouch because osai is a freak athlete as well but both of those guys entering their third years like they've done a really good job, you know, they've had really good reps in in their one-on-ones and they, they've created some disruption. So it's really good to see their progression as well. Like the, in the trenches right now, this team is built really strong and the camp is usually about receivers and cornerbacks. And we've talked ad nauseum about how, you know, well DJ Turner has transitioned to NFL life. Andre Yosevich is looking pretty damn consistent for an Ivy leaguer coming into the NFL as a rookie. So it, a lot of highlights from this rookie class, but I think as far as the trenches go, compared to years past when we've seen some inconsistencies, some struggles, some concerns grew, even if they weren't justified, it's not really that sense right now. You know, it, like this is business. It almost seems as business as normal for for these guys, and th- that newfound sense of of competency and really just strength going up against strength. It's really created some good practices. So, yeah, the receivers have been good. The cornerbacks have been good. But I think what's really stood out to me is how how good these trenches look. 
What's your sense? And I don't know if you can gather it from your vantage point, really. I mean, I know we've seen a lot of videos and a lot of, you know, clips. And uh, my, my sense of the Bengals, I don't know if you want to call it attitude or approach or whatever you want to call it, this year in this training camp would have been, you know, still having that, you know, looseness and that, that camaraderie that we've seen and a, and a lot of fun times and solid locker room and all that that we have seen the last couple of years that helped them achieve a high modic, uh, high level of success here. But are, are you seeing maybe a little, a tiny bit more buttoned up approach or are things still a little bit different because Burrow hasn't been in there since what practice number two. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what's your sense of the attitude or the approach that when you were there at the practices in person, I don't really get a vibe either way like it's not like these guys are so loose and or they're so just you know tunnel vision on just getting the work done i think they're just extremely comfortable with who they are and the structure that they've established right like this is zach's fifth year um it's been basically the same in terms of training camp uh, scheduling and formatting for the past three or four years now ever since he kind of got his feet under him everyone is comfortable with what, with what the plan is, I think. And that like, like guys are still clearly having fun. Like you have chase, you know, doing the gritty after touchdowns and whatnot. <laughs> you still have guys, you know, smiling and, you know, right. laughing to the side, but like they're getting the work done because I think they're confident in the way that the plan is kind of laid out for them and the way that, that the structure is laid out for them. So they, they, I, I think the best way to put it is that they know that the system works and they've seen the results of that for the past two years. And obviously they want to get it, to one step further but like they have a winning formula for the first time mm -hmm. in a long time and i think they're committed to that and once you realize that that's a thing you can kind of feel comfortable just going through the motions and a lot of guys are just kind of being themselves but they're still getting like quality work done like they've had quality practice after quality practice well how how were you seeing I, I know you put up a video or i think you put up a video on what the hell do we call it now? Is it X officially? Uh, not Twitter. Well, I'm not what calling it X. Call okay, <laughs> Twitter. Okay, the, the bird app. Um, you put yes. up a video on on, on Chase Brown, um, and I, I think you did right. I, I should have pulled that up, yep. but it, basically, it was a uh, uh, what was the read on it? Um, kind of a, a cutback run where um, it was it uh, little shotgun power, shotgun right? Yeah. Um, yep. So it, it was. I, I guess what have you seen from him, or what did you see from him in? practices you know is there a clear indication of you know uh, you know is it going to be by committee to a to b or is it you know is there uh someone kind of impressing you i know travion had that injury so um you know that that's kind of an issue there but i don't know uh, just kind of some backup running back chatter and or the running game in general well i'm really glad that travion's ankle is not serious he's going to be back in practice i think within the next couple of weeks mm -hmm. so the, the team really likes him. He's going to make the team. So that's not a worry. It's honestly been interesting and kind of cool to see both Chase Brown and Chris Evans kind of, you know, grasp at whatever opportunities there for them now, because now they're taking the snaps right behind Joe Mixon. And we've talked on this show about, we don't even know who Chris Evans is at this point. We don't know if the coaches trust him. <laughs> He's not going away. I don't think, which has been kind of surprising to me. Like that, that first practice, where when Travion wasn't out there, they did like a two minute drill and Chris Evans was the running back. And then they had Joe Mixon kind of filling in, filling in for him in on certain downs. So Chris Evans has not been going away. Like he still has a place on this dev chart right now. He's still going to get opportunities in the preseason. I would, I would say. So I think he's kind of gotten a wake up call a little bit. Like if I don't perform well this year, I probably will get cut. You don't know if they're going to go with four running backs this year. But Chase Brown looks exactly like the Chase Brown of Illinois. And the guy was extremely productive in, certain, in similar concepts that the Bengals, I think, want to run this year. They're going to run plenty out of shotgun, but they're going to run more power. They're going to run more gap schemes. He was dynamite in those exact exact concepts. Like so many times at Illinois, just like pull guys around the line of scrimmage out of shotgun. And it wasn't it wouldn't even be perfect blocking. But Chase is just so efficient with his footwork. It, it, it's it's like watching a lot of Giovanni Bernard, and I know it's a lazy comparison, but you remember Gio's lightning quick feet, but he never looked like he was like at his feet like too too fast, and he lost, lost any bounds. No, Chase Brown has plenty of balance with how quick he is, and that leads to really efficient movements. 
He gets through his reads really quickly. He follows his blocks, and that leads to the positive runs that, like, like what I showed on Twitter. So Chase Brown will get plenty of opportunities in the preseason, but I think that that competition, if you will, between like who's RB three behind Williams is it Chris Evans is it Chase Brown? It might be closer than I would think. I, I think it still ultimately goes to Chase because I think he's just the better overall runner, and I think it'll really be determined about like how e- efficient chris evans is in the preseason but chris evans has gotten special team snaps as well and i think he's taking that pretty seriously so that i, I guess that's that's an interesting battle is maybe closer than i would have thought uh we have we have kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek i think f- kind of funny but i mean it's a it's a good question i'd like to know evans <laughs> td to snap race ratio i don't have the snap ratio but i have enough. yeah i mean that the the total touches ratio uh, 18 receptions and it looks like 17 rushing attempts. Um, so that comes to 35 total touches and three total touchdowns. So he is averaging a touchdown, John, every 11.67 touches, uh, in the NFL in his two seasons. I don't have a snap count. I didn't get 125 he, he total snaps. Okay. Okay. So now let's, now let's really deep dive, you know, uh, 41, one in every 62. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's got three. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So 41, <laughs> 40, every, every 41.67 snaps. And what did it's I say? Every, every 11. Yeah. 11, uh, 11.67 touches. There you go. We tag team that to answer Mike's questions. There you go, Mike. Hopefully you enjoyed that, that nugget of information on, on Chris Evans. That is interesting to know, to see that he, to hear that he's, you know, stepping up and, and not going away. You know, I don't, it's hard to imagine that the Bengals, you know, do they keep four active running backs on the on the roster going forward? You know, it's there's so much depth now and so many guys to like at wide receiver. How do you double that? They want to have a lot of bodies, you know, and, and able bodies on the offensive line. So is running back just going to be one of those spots where they go light? But you know, it's good. It's good to see that competition is bringing out some of the best in in Chris Evans. We've seen a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of fun moments from him, but a lot of frustrating and disappearing acts from him as well. Yeah. Running back is always interesting to me because I think in the past two years, because I mean, this roster is more or less constructed the same, like the strengths or what they were a couple of years ago, aside from maybe your offensive line. And in each year I would have pegged that the Bengals would have only kept three running backs and they ended up keeping four in at least in that first week. So I mean, I'm in the same boat this year where like, there's no way they keep, more than three running backs because wide receiver cornerback defensive line like all these positions of strength you want to keep as many as as, of them as possible but historically even in zach taylor's time like they've kept four running backs so maybe that's what it is this year and they're just going to go light someplace else i wouldn't do that if i were them but i'm certainly not discounting it as a possibility good to hear about yoshevis as well Uh, you know he had i think early early there was some stuff about some some drops and drills and different things like that so it's good to see that he is stepping up in some ways. I know Charlie Jones had some nice practices, hurt the shoulder, and then I think he came back and had, um, you know, another nice another nice practice or so. I don't. We'll see if he ends up playing um, Friday night, but uh, you know, uh, seems like both of those guys are stepping up nicely and and you know doing the things that we all kind of hoped for and envisioned when they were drafted by this team and bringing some nice depth to that wide receiver group. Yeah, they. they- we all know they scout receivers really well, but it's like it, it's seen similar things to like what Trent Irwin was when he first came on because like Irwin, like a like better athletes compared to Irwin, but doing similar winning in similar ways like contested catch situations, winning in the red zone. Irwin had that amazing one handed grab in red zone drills. Like it, it's been a lot of those similar things that they clearly value, and now you have guys who are considerably faster and quicker. And obviously younger compared to Irwin, so like they're, yeah, there there's spots on the roster pretty secured at this point. It would be nice to see if Jones can actually just take some punts and just show some competency, so he can just officially win that over Trent Taylor. Because, like you said, like if Jones isn't out there in the preseason at least this week, like most of those opportunities are going to go to Trent Taylor, and we don't know if he's just going to be auditioning for another team or if they're going to force the Bengals to keep him as like a seventh receiver like we don't we don't know like we we've kind of assumed that Jones is just going to replace Taylor but if Jones can't actually go out there and actually do it it at least opens the door to Taylor sticking around it it does I mean look man I mean 
from the first when, the first segment we were talking about what to look for in preseason and then now yours and, and a little bit of mine observations about yours in person observations that you've seen from training camp what are we talking about man we're talking about we like what we've seen from the trenches we like what we've seen from these positional battles at the at the back end of depth charts running back wide receiver it's a deep team it's a talented team i mean we knew that but now they are really really exuding that and really really putting that to work at these practices and and it's it's fairly obvious and so you know again i mean no burrow in these practices you can't everybody's chomping at the bit i know we've had a couple of questions in here about um about when burrow was back you know they're, they're they were keeping that mum but he was at practice today wednesday um in the i believe a bucket hat and kind of cruising around right w- waving to the people uh, and then he was seen shortly after the injury uh, per i think it was mike petralia who re- relayed this on twitter um he was seen uh, you know, cruising around, I think the locker room and, and not showing signs of a limp, that sort of thing. He does have the sleeve on the, on the leg still. So, uh, you know, there's some people, Oh, he's not going to play week one. I I'm still skeptical of that situation in terms of him not playing late uh, it, it, to start the season, but they're keeping it so close to the vest. It's really, really hard to tell exactly what progress has or hasn't been made. Zach Taylor's, changed nothing about what he said for two weeks now um he's been asked a couple times and his answer has been several weeks still means several weeks yeah. from the time that he originally said it. it it just seems like they're just they have nothing to really gain by giving people like a timeline updates or, yeah. yeah right so like i don't think it's deliberately to confuse the cleveland browns in 32 days time as to what quarterback is going to be out there but i think they're rightfully taking it slow they're monitoring the progress and if they don't have to say anything specific then they don't they don't have to right but this was the first time we've seen burrow actually move and in person he doesn't look like he's lost 30 pounds like he did last year whatever the number <laughs> may be. right right um if you want to nitpick maybe maybe that little stroll had maybe the tiniest hint of a limp we don't know if that's just being precautionary just I don't yeah. know. Ginger is the right word, right? Just, yeah. just kind of. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He's he's keeping it light, you know. He's, light he's, not, he's not he's he's not doing sprints out here. Um, but no, he seems he seems okay. And again, by all accounts, by everyone who's more qualified to talk about this than than us, this is looks like a, a grade one strain, which typically has like a two to three week recovery time. Considering they don't play for four weeks, they can take it even slower, and. There should be nothing that prevents him from practicing the week of that Cleveland Browns game and looking like his normal self. But this is still an injury that when you think it's fine, it can end up biting you in the butt. So they're just going to take this slow and we'll see him when we see him. Yep. Mike Jones, uh, we did talk about Zach Carter. He he has, John said he's been looking pretty good, obviously bulked up and really took this offseason seriously. So I think, John, just to reiterate, you think you've seen some good things from him out of practice this, this year. And a guy that I think really, while one of the bigger question marks, one of the more important guys, even as a rotational guy, a guy that needs to really kind of step up because they have not gone elsewhere really to bring in his specific position, meaning interior reserve, interior defensive line, and a guy that can hopefully get a little bit of push in, in the pass rush and, and help out in the run game. I'll say this about Carter because he showed very, very few signs last year of being a competent pass rusher. It was just towards the end of the season when he was just better against the run because he just was finding the ball. And that definitely helps. He's physically so much better to play defensive tackle now than he was last year. He just put on like a ton of bad weight. I think last year just to be able to survive between the B gaps because he was kind of like an edge of Florida and he was like 280. So he probably bulked up to like 295 with bad weight. Now he's probably close to 300 with good weight. And that means he's more explosive while also being able to be strong enough and powerful enough to take on blocks in those tight areas. So I don't know what the progression has been in terms of his hand usage, in terms of stringing together moves, in terms of his snap timing and everything like that. But I think physically, he looks more like what the Bengals need him to be, and that's a rotational three technique. Yeah, and then we've also got – let me pull this one up here. Another 
from Mr. Generosity, Mr. Whisper. Uh, if you feel inclined, by the way, don't just rely on Mr. Whisper to send us these, these YouTube chats, which mo more often than not go to a, a specific charity. Uh, so thank you, Mr. Whisper. John, any sides of ball security issues with Chase Brown? I know it was one of his knocks in the draft. That was one of his knocks. I don't know if it's too easy to tell with, with certain drills and things that they've been doing as opposed to game action there, but obviously a question that is worth asking. Yeah, it'd be really bad if any of the running backs were fumbling right now, uh, <laughs> considering they're not being tackled. I think the only fumble that I've seen was Trevor Simeon scrambling out of the pocket, which, again, doesn't really do him any favors. But no, I haven't seen any fumbles from Chase Brown yet. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on here. We're going a little long here, and we've got a couple more things to cover, and one of which, of course, is the joint practice today. My oh my, was it a defensive <laughs> effort? Um, and our guy, our guy, Zoom, Zim Hude put out a tweet that got, you know, uh, a lot of run all kinds of places because a certain particular Bengals player who's just fresh off of a contract extension, Mr. Trey Hendrickson, had seven, by most people's count, seven sacks against the Packers offensive line today. Um, obviously, that is just incredible in it in and of itself. But you talked about it a little earlier, John. I mean, Jordan Love, there's some questions about him, obviously, them coming out of the Aaron Rodgers era. They have Packers fans have been insanely spoiled at the quarterback position <laughs> over the last 30 years, right? Um, so I mean, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of questions there. So uh, you know, the, obviously it's practice and scrimmaging and all that kind of stuff, not not real game, but needless to say, your comment about that still holds about the trenches showing off really well, particularly the defensive line that plays right into that. And that's a good, good thing to see for a guy that's taken a lot of snaps the past couple of years and just got another nice little contract extension. Blackout Trey doesn't mess around. Apparently. I don't yeah. know if seven is legit. Um, I'm, I'm trying to believe. <laughs> seven -ish. If, yeah. yeah if, if that was the actual count. And also, I mean, like they're not, you can't finish the play, so you don't know if the play would have right. actually resulted right. in the sack. But man, like he's got he had two years left on this deal. He was 28 years old this year. They just drafted a first round pick at the position. All the signs were like, yeah, this guy was going to play out this contract and maybe regress a little bit because he's been so damn good the past two years. It he just looks like the same dude. Like he's 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 really good, man. <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't I don't know. Like he, he just wins in his own way, and that that's not with incredible explosion. He wins with relentless hand fighting. He wins with a plan, and he he won today. You know, like Jordan loves pocket presence and you know awareness. Maybe not may not be the best, but uh, Edge Group is really good, man. It, it's it, it's it's legitimate strength now. I think. And they need it, right? I mean, they, they need this group with the AFC quarterbacks, with the athleticism that they face at the positions and undoubtedly in the postseason who they'll be facing. I mean, you're, you're talking big guys. You're talking guys who are either very nimble or nimble enough. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, these are these are big guys that have the ability to also move. Gone are the days of the – you know, the, the, really the kind of statuesque Drew Bledsoe, Carson Palmer type of quarterbacks. If you're a big guy, you got to be able to move around. you got to be able to, to do things. And if you are a defensive lineman, if you are an edge rusher, you have to be able to be prepared for that. And you have to be able to get a guy to the ground or make him uncomfortable enough to, to force a bad throw. And so the Bengals – you know, there's been some consistency issues a little bit in terms of, you know, overall quarterback sacks. I know there are a lot of other stats and metrics that are you can measure, you know, quarterback pressures and effectiveness of defensive lines by. But un undoubtedly, you want that number to rise. Right. And that's the Bengals have taken note of that. That's why they extended Trey Henderson. That's why they used a first round pick on a defensive lineman. And that's, you know, they need additional pressure and that's why also going back to a topic we just talked about that's why zach carter is a critical component of what they're trying to do up front yeah that entire defense was suffocating green bay today by all accounts yeah. i think he even yeah. had uh pff steve and mike or not mike um sam down there they were tracking all the plays and it's dj reader was also having a pretty good day disrupting stuff in the middle 
obviously there was a, <laughs> one happened at the end it's of couple, practice. And, right? Yeah. Sh- sh- should we talk yeah. about this? Because there's people. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? It. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, hey, that's part of camp. And that's part of what happens at these joint practices, right? They get sick of beating up on their own guys. And they obviously don't want to hurt their own guys. But these guys, I mean, both teams, I mean, they're sick of just kind of going up against their own guys. They see another team. And that's kind of part and parcel of these joint practices and scrimmages and everything. So what I, what I gauged um from twitter was that there was a little screen screenplay and eldon jenkins who's a really good offensive lineman for the green bay packers uh got out in space and kind of took jermaine pratt to the ground pratt wasn't really fond of that so they ended up in a <laughs> scuffle or, or, or kerfuffle if you will there you, know, you go the whole, the whole the whole dust cloud formed like a cartoon he had like limbs flying around everywhere uh joe said that like trey hendrickson was like like pulling someone and like threw him over it like a lot of stuff was happening right it's, it's a whole pile that you can't really tell uh eldon wasn't done though because i think not maybe not the very next play but a play after that uh he was still frustrated and i guess slapped or threw a punch at dj reader and reader wasn't having that um so they got into it and then that forced the packers to remove jenkins two strikes in your out policy and i, I think what reader said after practice kind of summed it up like Jenkins, it was probably it was, it was a hot day, right? You know, you're frustrated, but you're 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 there to just disrupt practice. You're not putting in good work, and that was what Reader's sentiment was. Like some guys don't want to practice; they just want to want to goof around. And Reader wasn't wasn't too happy with it. Not because obviously no one can hurt DJ Reader; no one can physically possibly do that. But I think Reader was just annoyed with Jenkins's antics and disrupting practice, and rightfully so. You know? Yeah, I I mean. The consensus also, John, like we've said, is that the Bengals defense was more or less having their way with yeah. with the Packers offense. And when you are on offense and that sentiment, is, I mean, is permeating throughout your entire unit, you, you're going to get frustrated. <laughs> you're going to, you, you know, you're going to look to take it out on somebody and you're going to look to maybe cross a little bit of a line in doing so. Um, so, uh, you know, but like you said, it's hot. We're now, you know, this isn't, you know, hey, we're on the first day of practice. You know, we're excited, that sort of thing. I mean, it's a little exciting that you're going up against another team. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of the dog days right now, right? It's like, man, this is, it's hot. It's humid. Uh, we're in pads, you know, and and if there's a questionable hit, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to let you know about it. And I think that's kind of a little bit of what, what occurred today. Um, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, it was it was funny because you kept seeing like the reports like damn the Bengals defense looks really good and I was thinking yeah. the only thing that can stop them is like Aaron Donald at this point throwing helmets and that was right when Jenkins yeah. the first punch. Yeah. Yeah. Um DJ Reader called him just a guy because he was upset but for the record Eldon Jenkins is really really good but just not a good yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I I think also one of the Steve uh, Palazzolo of uh, I hope I said his last name right um, of PFF noted. Um, I think it may have been maybe even potentially before this this joint practice, but he mentioned on Twitter just again going on the other side of the trenches that you know this offensive line is probably going to be you know the best the best one that Burrow has played in uh, in the NFL, and they are kind of showing it again, kind of corroborating. Paul Daner's story that we referenced earlier about Jonah looking good at, at right tackle and, and uh, settling in there. So, you know, we, we had all these questions and what about, you know, is Jonah going to fit in and all of that. And now, I mean, it's way too early. We got to see what happens in the games and everything, but now there may be a good problem on his hand on their hands with, you know, him entering a contract year. Is he a guy in the long-term plans? I know there's a lot of money being doled out to a lot of different players already and there will be more money doled out to, to a lot of different players but i mean the Bengals may have a good problem on their hands and a lot of national guys are noticing that the Bengals' offensive line has taken steps of improvement jonah is like the biggest jonah and orlando brown were the biggest parts of that because they knew what they had from an interior sense like kappa and karis are both good what's up Lindsay? portal <laughs> volson was supposedly going to take this next jump and it looks like he's on that track orlando brown was brought in to just be better at left tackle and Jonah Williams and Jonah Williams was hopefully going to be better right tackle than either Jackson Carmen or Lyle Collins. And that looks to be the case. I think the cool thing with Jonah is that, you know, he didn't get necessarily like 
not the closure, but he didn't get the communication that he wanted from the Bengals in the offseason. Right. But he's, he's, I think he's more or less kind of accepted it, and he seems really content. He seems really happy with the situation that's unfolding. He's a starter for a really good team, and he's playing really well. He's healthy. And I, I don't see these two sides kind of coming together all kumbaya at the end of the season unless Jonah just absolutely balls out and just looks like the one of the best tackles. And even then, he probably played out of the Bengals' price range. I think right. he, he's just thinking to himself, I'm going to just play the best that I possibly can, and hopefully that's that's good enough to earn a really big contract with, with another team because the ship probably has sailed between him and, and the team. But it's not like – I don't think he's like resentful. I think he's still – okay with the situation he's just kind of accepted and maybe the Bengals have too yeah I, th- I think also he can look at uh, even though he's on the, a rival team now he can look at Juwan Taylor and kind of the the career arc there and and the contract he received this offseason and and maybe you know kind of say hey if I play my play well here even though it's position switch if I play well here I have tape of playing left tackle I have you know hopefully quality tape playing right tackle now and I'll be a hot commodity on the market. But regardless, it's about here and now, and hopefully he settled, continues to settle in because all indications are that Jonah Williams is settling in well at right tackle, and you love, if you are a Bengals fan, you love to hear that, you love to see that. Uh, we're going to get any, anything else we want to talk about on the the joint practice before we start uh, kind of start closing up, John, about uh, the Packers and the Bengals. It's always, when these two teams play, by the way, whether it's practice or not, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, today was tame compared to some of the regular season games we have seen in the past handful of years. I think Evan McPherson still thinks about that game, to be honest. So, so yeah. Oh. There had to have been, like, between extra points and field goals missed. I have to go back. and I mean, what, five, four or five missed, missed At least in that game? Yeah. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah. And then even the, the games before that, man, uh, you I, you can go back to a far the far five pick game where the guy took the ball out of his hands at the end of the game. Yep. He ran on the field, and uh, the Aaron Rodgers Daniel Coates game uh, from a hand. Oh, man, there's there's a lot of Terrence lot Newman of, taking it oh, back from yeah, the house. Yeah, yeah. So Packers Bengals, they never just that's that's a good uh, rivalries video. Maybe we'll you know uh, we did some unlikely rivalries with the Seahawks and Bengals on our channel. Maybe we'll do one of those with the Packers because there have been some wacky ass games between those two teams for sure. Uh, all right. We've got one little fun historic thing. We've done some things before where we say like, remember him or remember when um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a history buff and I'm definitely a history buff with the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, I like to go back and either talk about some players and sometimes remember him I don't know. So does that have a negative con- connotation? Because it's like, hey, you know, this guy, was he kind of a slouch? I don't know. But that's I, – I don't like necessarily the connotation. So I'm changing – at least for this week, I'm changing the name of this segment. Now, John, do you know who this guy is? Can you name me this guy on the screen? Well, it's not Reggie Kelly. Um, it's not Reggie Kelly. <sighs> I, I I cannot. I don't think I can. Okay. Well, this is oh. Tony McGee. Tony I don't know McGee. Who's too. <laughs> yeah. Tony McGee, tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was before Jermaine Gresham. He was before Reggie Kelly and after Rodney Holman. And because of when he played for the Cincinnati Bengals in that lost decade of the 90s with a quarterback carousel all over the place, he kind of gets forgotten. But he was a pretty productive player for this team with a when they were terrible. And they were terrible. And coming out of the Rodney Holman era, a guy who made like three Pro Bowls with the Bengals and was one of the better tight ends of his generation, you know, you have you, they drafted this guy as kind of his his replacement essentially. I think it was in '92, so it was right around when Holman uh, left the Bengals. And so this is this is a player that they liked. He went to he went to Michigan, I think. So sorry, uh, sorry Buckeye fans there, but John he played nine years in Cincinnati. Uh, 322 catches over 4,000 yards, almost 4,100 yards receiving and 21 touchdowns. Now, not necessarily overly gaudy numbers, but you're talking about an era where Jay Schrader was a quarterback. You're talking about an era when Akili Smith was a quarterback. You're talking about an era with, yeah, some great years with Jeff Blake. And, oh, by the way, those were his best statistical years. 
But a guy who is just a real, you know, a warrior, a guy who kept his head down and has had, by all accounts, a pretty successful career after playing, what, 11 total years, 12 total years in the NFL. So um, kudos to him. His best seasons were the, the better Jeff Blake years. Um, he had 40 catches for 492 yards in 1994. And in 95, a real solid year for a tight end, especially this is the other thing, John. The Bengals had, uh, during Tony McGee's career, they had Carl Pickens and Darnay Scott for the bulk of it, right? He was drafted in 93, by the way. I said 92, but 93. They had Carl Pickens and Darnay Scott. They had uh, a guy who contributed a little bit, David Dunn, um, throughout, you know, kind of the, the prime of Tony McGee's career. And then, oh, by the way, in 97, Corey Dillon comes around. So just not a guy that gets talked about a lot. Um, but when you look at some of the better years by quarterbacks in this stretch of years that were really, really terrible for the Bengals and their quarterbacks, um, I, again, I, I said in 94, 40 catches, 492 yards. This is a rookie, 44 catches, 525. Um, and then you look at 95 when Blake was a pro bowler, 55 catches, 754 yards and four touchdown receptions. Um, another four catch, uh, touchdown catches that the year after. And then when Boomer came in at the end of 97 and really sparked a, a really good year along with Dylan at the end of that season, he had a career high six touchdown catches in that season. So not never made a Pro Bowl, um, but you look at the games played for Cincinnati too, 15, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 14, and nine at the end of uh, – I'm sorry, 11 at the end of his career. So uh, durable, valuable, and just a guy, you know, you, you know me, I like, I like, uh, I like the position of, of tight end. I think uh, there's a lot of fun players who have played that position. And so this is a guy who kind of gets forgotten between the, the Reggie Kelly, Jermaine Gresham kind of era. And then of course, after the Rodney Holman era. So Tony McGee, a salute to the stripes. That's what we're calling it. At least this week, Tony McGee. I like that, you know, not not a ring of honor guy, but deserves his reparations for playing in the 90s. I thought I was losing my mind, though, because I heard Tony McGee. I'm like, that's not Tim McGee's name. And then <laughs> I'm like, well, nope. that's why. I, so like, yeah, I don't think he was 82. But yeah, yeah. this is a completely different Tony, player who Tony deserves McGee. his respect. Tony McGee. Yeah. Yeah. So again, 322. Uh, excuse me, 299 catches as a Bengal, 322 in his career, 3,700. I misspoke earlier. 299 catches as a Bengal, 3,795 yards, 20 total touchdowns as a Cincinnati Bengal, 21 total uh, in his career. So, again, not eye-popping numbers, but just a solid, solid guy. And you have to remember, too, again, with all the quarterback problems, and then you had the two great receivers that the Bengals had, Darnie Scott and Carl Pickens during most of his time, really, really good uh, really, really good, solid player that doesn't get talked about enough in Bengals circles. So um, let's, with that being said, let us close up. We'll do a, we'll do our usual mic drop, but I think our good friend Lindsay here asked us for a score prediction or a bold prediction. Score predictions in preseason, I mean, we get goofy with those anyway, so I don't know if we want to do that, but you got a, maybe a, a bold or a, a surprise prediction for Friday night. I'm going to give like a, let's, let's go like 18 to 15 Bengals. <laughs> get as wacky as possible. Um, I'm going to say Reed Sinet has the longest completion of any Bengals quarterback, maybe any quarterback in the game. Okay. I'll say that. Now, yeah. Okay. Air, air yards you're talking about? Yeah. Actual air yeah. yards? Okay. Yeah. Um, I will say DJ Ivy pick six. Oh, I will say DJ Ivy pick six, not to put so much pressure on the young buying man, the hype. Yeah, I am buying that kid's hype. I am buying that kid's hype. I think he is a, a, a nice, nice find at the end of now. I mean, wh whether that translates in the regular season this year as a rookie, I don't know, but I think he's a nice, nice find. So you got Reed Sinet with the biggest completion of the game for either team from John and a bold one from me, DJ Ivy pick six. Um, we're going to, again, close up shop. I, I Crip keeper here. I got a piece of Bengals history for you, AC. Did you know the Bengals wear the white jerseys all year 
uh, in 94, except one game, but it was the throwback game against the Patriots. I, you know, I don't really remember the white jerseys all that year. I do remember the throwback game, and I was reminded of that somewhat recently because I think 94 was that 75th year uh, anniversary for the league. And so, so many teams, I remember the old school cowboy ones that now kind of cl more closely resembled some of the uniforms they wore in the 2000s. But um, I remember there were a lot of teams that, that, did the old throwback uniforms that year because it was a 75th anniversary. And then like after that, the NFL kind of continued to be the no fun league with uniform <laughs> stuff. Um, I don't remember them wearing the whites all that year though. Did you, do you remember that John? I mean, I, well, I don't, were you even born then? I don't even know, but uh, I was not born. Yeah. Okay. So um, good one there though. Good one. Thank you. Crip keeper. Appreciate that. All right. Let's drop the mic and get out of here. What do you got for us, John, as we close up shop? On the subject of uniforms, the Bengals are just making 10-year-old John just happier than a pig in mud in the past two <laughs> years. Up, updating these uniforms to look clean. The NFL actually allowing them to wear the white helmets with the white jerseys that actually match the helmets. The whole thing with that is they had to, I guess, submit. This is according to Joe. They had to submit the white jersey, white pants, and white socks as a separate alternate uniform compared to just the white jersey white pants black socks which they wear somewhat right, decently right. often so that is officially their second alternate that they will wear twice this year against the rams and jags and if you're betting on both those games pick the Bengals in the spread there's no way they're losing in those uniforms yeah and i think this was kind of all part of the the letter that they you know the social media they had the letter yep. that they wrote and then i think k adams of the up and Adam show, uh, you know, did like a, a narrative through the, through Bengals social media. She is like all on board with the Cincinnati Bengals, which I love, love, love to see. Um, and, uh, anyway, so yeah, there's kind of some fun, fun around it. And they, uh, that, that'll be cool to see. That'll be cool. Cause it's, they had the old school, oh, I, I guess, I don't know if I want to call it old, old school, but, um, they had kind of the, the block numbering yeah. right jersey that they wore with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, cool. It'll be cool to see. It'll be cool to see. And obviously the white, the, the white helmet, everybody loves that at least for a couple times a year. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't at least give a tip of the cap to Mr. Ken Riley making the hall of fame and the amazing job that his son did in inducting him and his, uh, wife there and, and seeing Ken Riley's bust and seeing Anthony Munoz and a, a slew of other Bengals who played with him. I think there's a really, really cool picture of Anthony Munoz, Jim Breach, um, Reggie Williams, and and a number of others that were there at Canton for this. Um, I, we'll, we'll see if we can maybe get um, Ken Riley the second back on the program, at least to maybe talk about the, uh, you know, to talk about his experience there and everything, the emotions going with that. We'll, we'll see if we can, uh, we would love to have him back on. He's a great guy, um, but he did an excellent job. I, I felt so great for the family. And I felt really, really good for Bengals fans because that is just something that has not occurred. I mean, I'm, I'm, when did Munoz get in? Uh, mid to late 90s, right? First year eligible. So I, I think he was 97, 98 maybe. Um, so, I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, multiple decades here since the Bengals have years. had a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, since, since the Bengals have had a Hall of Fame player and it's coinciding with some of, you know, their most successful years as a franchise. So it's a really cool time for the franchise and a really, really cool moment for the Riley family. We are very, very happy for you. Of course, we want to continue to support the Ken Riley uh, 13 foundation. So, um, maybe, you know, maybe we can do something kind of cool with Ken Riley the second, if he's willing and able to come on the program. But I thought that was a really, really cool thing this last weekend. I mean, how many hall of fame speeches give a shout out to a specific fan? I think that was pretty cool that Bengal Jim got a shout out. Um, yeah, yeah, well deservedly for doing the the jungle to the hall, and yep. you know their work is their work is far from done. I think another Ken is next up here. Yep, that's most definitely deserving. John, this has been a hell of a fun episode, man. Um, cruised by. We talked about a lot of cool stuff, and we are actually talking about actual life football. Uh, football, we're have a fun, football, football. We're gonna have a uh, a, a fun video tomorrow my understanding is our guy mr jason garrison is a little under the weather so he's not going to be able to uh i don't think there's going to be a three and out episode on uh, the channel this week but john if you are what we'll, we'll coordinate we're going to do some form of a post game show i think 
um, for for Friday and talk about the game, talk about what we saw and have some fun with that. So um, we will be back for that. We'll have kind of a fun, um, it's either going to launch either Thursday or Saturday. We'll see when we can, when this guy can get around to it, but we'll have, <laughs> we'll have a fun video. Hopefully it'll be a new one, a new, a new series we're going to launch on here and uh, hopefully you'll have some fun with it. But thank you everybody. We had a lot of live viewers. I think people are excited about the Bengals and that live football is back and we're not talking about the abstract anymore, John, we're talking about the actual, which is awesome. And so fun episode, a lot of engagement. Thank you everybody for tuning in live. Thank you for tuning in after the fact and catching it on your favorite platform. Again, just to remind you on our way out, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel with the show icon underneath John Sheeran there by the Cincy Jungle uh, icon. And of course, get the show and all of the Cincy Jungle podcast shows on your favorite audio streamer. Get all of your opinions, analysis, everything on cincyjungle.com. And of course, catch the great work from my guy, John Sheeran over at A to Z Sports, the written page from from him over there and all the great work they do there too so check that out join us friday night for a post game show should be fun thank you everybody thank you john uh appreciate you man appreciate you let's get it <laughs>